Good morning, and thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's message of hope on KBUR News Radio, 99.3 FM and 14.90 AM from First Christian Church of Burlington, Iowa. This morning, we start in the midst of worship with our children's moment with Pastor Justin sitting with the children of the church. We invite the kids of our church to come on down forward and meet Pastor Justin at our front steps this morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, we have gotten a lot of snow the last couple weekends, haven't we? Lots of snow. So I was wondering, what are some of your favorite activities to do in the snow? Emmy? Build a snowman? Sledding? Anybody else? Just jumping around in the snow? Okay. Anybody else? Snowball fights? Anybody have a snowball fight? Anybody build forts or, or an igloo? Nobody did any of that? Well, some people, you, Evan did. Some, what's that? Snow angels. There we go. Tom, snow angels. Anybody make one of those before? Yeah? And some people, they like to go snowmobiling. And then all those other crazy people, they like to go in parking lots and do donuts or cookies, like some people call them. Lots of fun things we can do out in the snow. And like Emmy said, snowman. We can build a snowman. And I thought we'd talk about that for a minute. What are the ways we build a snowman? How do you build one? Start out with a snowball and roll up. How many snowballs do we need? Three, right? And the biggest one goes on top. Biggest and heavy one goes on top? No? Where does that one go? On the bottom, right? And then the middle one goes in the, in the middle, and the smallest one for the head goes on top, right? So we got our three, our body and our head. What's next? What do we do? Evan? A hat? Maybe put a hat on it? A carrot? What's a carrot for? His nose. Okay, so we got a hat and a nose. What else do we need? Arms? What do you use for arms? Twigs? Branches? Yeah? Anybody else? Our snowman's got to see, right? So we need some eyes and maybe a mouth. So what are some other things we use as decoration? Evan said a hat. What else, what else can you put on it? Buttons. Okay. A scarf. What about for his hands? Mittens, right? We can put mittens on it. And I guess the idea of building a snowman, we try to make it look like a real person as possible, right? And in fact, there's a couple movies, cartoon movies, where the snowmen actually come to life. Can you think of the two movies that I'm thinking of? Evan, what's one of them? Frosty the Snowman, right? Frosty the Snowman comes to life. How does he come to life? The magic top hat, right? You put the kids put the hat on him and he came to life. What's the other movie I'm thinking of? Oh, the Snowman coming to life. Come on. Think Disney. <laughs> Olaf, right? Frozen, right? I mean, we're talking about building a snowman. The song was there. Do you want to build a snowman, right? Olaf, right? And he came to life how, too? He came to life with magic, too, didn't he? Olaf came to life through magic. Now, we know that real snowmen, there's no such thing. Snowmen are just pretend, something we build in our yard, and they're there until the sun melts them, right? 
But, and anybody can build a snowman, but only one person can build a real or create a real human being. And who's that? Who's the only one who can create a human being? God, that's right. God is the one who creates a human being. And, and the Bible talks about that in Genesis 2, 7, when he built or created the first man. Do you guys remember what the first man's name was? Adam, that's right. And, and do you guys know what God made Adam out of? Clay? Well, let's find out. Let's read Genesis 2, 7. It says, The Lord... Then the Lord formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So we build snowmen with snow. God built Adam out of dust. And, and Olaf and Frosty came alive through magic, and Adam came alive simply by God breathing into his nostrils. God is the only one who can create life. And he gives us the opportunity for eternal life when we accept his son, Jesus, into our lives. So I want you guys to remember that each and every day you wake up is a gift from God and another opportunity for us to go and share God's love with someone who doesn't already know God. Okay? Will you guys pray with me? And, and let's thank him for our lives. Thank you, God, for creating us, for loving us, and giving us life. We love you so much, and in your name we pray, and all God's kids shout it out. Amen. As we pause in the midst of worship today to offer our hearts and minds over to God, we remember those in our community of faith, in our church family that we've been praying for in these past days and weeks. We remember especially the family of our good friend Marge Hampton, who passed away last week, and so our thoughts and prayers are with her family. Let us now offer our hearts to God in prayer. O oh, loving God, you are the source of all beauty and goodness. Your grace comes fresh every single morning. In each new day, you give us light. We praise you for, the, for your never-failing love that satisfies our needs and shows us the way to follow. We receive in you constant care because you are faithful in love for all your people, offering the whole world salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We come to you, God, in the stillness and quiet of this holy place on this cold and blustery winter morning. And as we do, we bring you our prayers because we know that you hear us, not just in the things that we say, but in what we do and who we are. And so we pray, O oh God, you might hear us as we pray for the unity of your whole church, not just here in Burlington, but around the entire world. May Christians everywhere be one, just as Jesus Christ prayed that we might be one. May we be united in your truth, committed to your love and sanctified by your grace, that we might proclaim your gospel in word and deed, praising you for our abiding presence in our midst as a community of faith. We pray, O oh God, for your world around us and for all the people in its diversity and commonality. We lift to you, O oh God, those in our world who weep and those who cause their weeping. We pray for those without food and clothing and shelter and as a means of sustaining life. We pray for those, O oh God, who have lost loved ones and who find themselves trying to live into a new kind of normal. 
We pray for those who feel alone, even in the midst of a crowd. Be with all those, O God, who live without meaning and hope. Place your Spirit upon all of us, so that we might have the assurance that you are here among your people, that you hear us and answer us when we call. Enable us with your guidance to be your church and to do your will in all that we do. Bless us, O God, because we are your disciples of Christ, and it is our desire to follow you and to know your will. And so we ask, O God, that you might hear us as we join our voices together now by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The reading this morning comes from the book of Psalms 22, 1 through 8, and 19 through 23. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? from the words of my groaning. O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. From the horns of the wild oxen you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're continuing here today with our Big Questions sermon series. We are in week three out of five, and so we're making our way along here together. We are in this because we have been asking God some of the big questions of life. Asking God some of those things that make us toss and turn, stuff that bugs at us and, and gnaws at us and keeps us up at night. And so up to this point, we have asked questions about what happens to us when we die. And we heard the assurance from the scriptures that we have the hope of seeing our loved ones again. We also heard the good news that we can find the presence of God in this life. We can know that God is near because God works through people just like you and me, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We've been working through these questions together because we're called to deepen our faith in God's love, to think and to mull and to chew and to struggle and dig deep into God's love. And so as we move along together, we have a new question before us today. 
in our big stack of note cards, we received a whole bunch of questions about faith, about what do we do in our lives of faith, questions about having enough faith, and what do we do when we're running low. And so our question today is this, what do you do when your spiritual life is on E? You are all out of faith. Your spiritual life is completely dry and empty. The needle has gone so far down below the E that it has completely broken off. It has never coming back again. Your spiritual life is dry and dusty. What do we do then? That's the question for today. When I was a kid, we used to love to take driving vacations with, a fa with our family. I can probably count on one hand how many times that we actually flew in an airplane, but it was nothing at all for us to load up into our family minivan and drive away. We would drive 11 hours to go see my grandparents in Texas. We would drive from Florida, no, to Florida, from Missouri, down, down to Walt Disney World. We, we would drive from Missouri to Washington, D.C. as a family, whenever my dad had a big old meeting there when we got to come along. And this was back in the day, right? Before DVD players and all the other multimedia that we have in our cars now. We drove 10 hours straight and we hardly stopped at all and we liked it the whole entire way. We had books to read, we had toys to play with, we had coloring books and pencils, and we had this big thing that was right next to us, and, and, and you could actually see the world changing as, as we went on down the road, this big thing that was called the window. We could look outside the window and see what was happening as we drove down the road. And so because we drove all over God's creation, we have all kinds of crazy stories in our family from when I was a kid growing up. Stories about nearly running out of gas in 5 o'clock traffic in downtown Chicago. Stories about being pulled over in the middle of Oklahoma. Stories of driving and driving and driving through western Colorado which is not that exciting, but, but kind of driving anyway and being in all kinds of places. And this week I was thinking about this time when we were driving near Pittsburgh. And I have no idea why we were actually in Pittsburgh, but I remember going right there by it. We may have been on the way home from D.C. on, on that one meeting, but it doesn't matter. This was back in the day, of course, before GPS and cell phones. And so the only way that we knew how to get to a place was because of a map. And so on this occasion, we were trying to get where we were going, and the map said that we were on a certain road. It said that we were there, but the view outside the window told us a different story. So we're driving along this two-lane highway, and all the trees suddenly got closer to the two-lane highway, and that nice wide shoulder that we had enjoyed for hundreds of miles soon went away. Because before you know it, that good, solid concrete road stopped and turned into a gravel road. And may, it may have even turned into dirt for a while and then back to, back to gravel. It was definitely not the two-lane solid highway we thought we were on. And so we stopped, my mom and dad got out the map, and, and they said, well, I think that we're on this road here, and so we should be okay. 
And so we kept on driving. They kept on driving full of confidence that we would arrive someday. By the time that we all die, we would arrive. But soon we were, it looked to be like we were in this forest. Because there wasn't a house, there wasn't a gas station or a human being to be found anywhere. And I'm sure that my parents thought, well, it's been a good life. We're going to die, but at least we're going to die together. And so they were thought, well, this is it. Because at one point in the middle of this forest, in the distance were hunters wearing orange vests and orange hats. And I'm sure they're thinking, what in the world is this white Chevrolet with Missouri license plates doing out here in the middle of the nowhere? And to be honest, we didn't know either. Because though the map said we were someplace, it sure didn't feel like we were anywhere at all. And it's like that, right? It's like that at times in our lives of faith. There are times when we are driving along just fine and life is good. There's plenty of room to stretch out and kind of make it easy. It's like we're on an eight lane divided highway. We can weave in and out of traffic with like no cares, no worries at all. But then before we know it, we start to break down. The check engine light comes on. We start to overheat. Smoke comes billowing out of the hood. The radio stops working. Our cell phone runs out of battery. And we're stuck in the middle of nowhere. And there is no way out. We are convinced. That's how it feels at times in our lives of faith. And so what do we do when we are on E? We are completely empty and we have nothing left to give in our lives of faith. Well, let me tell you what the scriptures say to do. The first thing is this. To realize that we are not alone. I don't know if you noticed, but in the scripture that we heard from Psalm 22 today, the very first lines of this scripture don't just show up here in Psalm 22 but they are the very words that Jesus uttered when he was hanging on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? Why do you not hear the words of my groaning? Where are you, my God? The psalm writer says, I cry to you by day, but you do not hear. I cry at night and I find no rest. Where are you, God? All the eyes of the world mock at me. I feel like I am a worm and small animal. Where are you, God? This was the prayer of Jesus on the cross. But it's also the prayer of Job when his whole life is falling apart and he finds himself in the end sitting on top of this dung heap, scraping at sores all over his body. His life is a complete wreck. It is the prayer of all the people in the Bible who at times feel like they have nothing left. They have prayed and wished and hoped and nothing seems to be working. That is our prayer at times. Every place that we go to find help seems to be dry and barren. There are days when the words of the psalm 
aren't just the words that come from the mouth of Jesus, but they come straight from our mouths as well. My God, why have you forsaken me? And so we need to know that we are not alone, that others have been down this road before, that Jesus himself has been there, and so he knows and understands. That's the first thing the scriptures say. The second thing is this, that even though this is the case, we are called to keep on going. Because though verses 1 through 8 of, of Psalm 22 are there, so are the words of verses 19 and 23. Lord, do not be far away. Come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, from my life, from the power of the dog. Save my life from the mouth of the lion. The psalmist says, I will fear you and I will praise you, O God. Because you are the one who gave me life. I will stand in awe of you. I will praise you still. Even though the writer feels like giving up, he does not. He keeps on going and doesn't lose faith. It's like the words of that old country song. On those days when you feel like you are going through hell, keep on going. When the road that you're on turns to gravel and turns to dirt and you are not sure where you are on the map of life, keep on going. You may find yourself in the valley of the shadow of darkness, but the Lord promises to see us through and lead us to green pastures. On those days when it feels like God has forsaken us and left us behind, keep on going. That's the second thing the scriptures say. And the third thing is this. Sometimes the future that God will hold is something that we can't even imagine. You see, one of my favorite stories is this one that shows up in Jeremiah 32. Today, if you're snowed in, if you're bored, if the football games get boring, if you need something to do, Open up your Bible or Google Jeremiah 32 and read the whole story because the story is wonderful. The story says there once was this time when the prophet Jeremiah, his whole life was a complete wreck and everyone around him, their lives were a wreck too. These foreign invaders had come in and destroyed all the land. They had torn down all the cities. Destruction was everywhere. And even Jeremiah the prophet found himself in prison. I mean, it was like the worst of all days, the story says. But when all hope seemed to be lost, hope came in the most unexpected of places. For God comes to Jeremiah and says, buy some land. Even though all you see is destruction all around you, buy some land. Because the Lord is still working, even in ways that you cannot understand. The Lord will lead a way to a brand new future where there will be rebirth and new buildings to come. Even though you cannot imagine God was going to be with the people to give them a future. 
Now, I'm not telling you to go buy some land today. I mean, you can if you want to, but this is it. On those days when our spiritual tank is empty and we have fallen completely off the map and we are down below E and we have nothing left to give, we are not alone. And so we don't give up because God will be with us to lead us to a future that we can't even imagine or dream. That's the good news. On those days when that eight-lane divided highway turns into a windy, rocky, old dirt road and we can't find our way, even then, God hasn't given up on us yet. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message of hope from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ here in Burlington, Iowa. We are located at 1221 Park Avenue on the south side of town in between the airport and Dankwart Park. If you're looking for a new church home or searching for something beyond yourself, we hope you will join us for worship this Sunday morning. We offer two styles of worship each Sunday. Our traditional service is at 8.45 a.m., featuring beloved hymns of the faith. Our contemporary service is at 10.45 a.m. and is led by our amazing band. In both services, you'll hear a sermon similar to the one you listen to today on the radio. Be welcomed at the Lord's table for communion and join with us in prayer and praise. During the summer, children's church is offered at our 1045 service. There's no better way to begin our week in worship, so we hope you will join us here at First Christian Church.
Thank <laughs> you. 